Welcome back to Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. Uh, That's me, Dr. Jeff. I'm a paediatric oncologist at the Children's Hospital at Westmead in Sydney in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere. Anyway, today I'm going to talk about a drug called GCSF, G-CSF, GCSF, and uh, this is a drug we use a lot in oncology, and, and so I want to explain what it's all about. Now, first, let me explain the name of it. So G-CSF, it stands for Granulocyte Colony Stimulating Factor, Granulocyte Colony Stimulating Factor, and I'll explain how it got such a weird name in a little while. But the main thing about this to know is it's a drug that we use to boost a patient's white blood cell count. So there are certain types of white blood cells called neutrophils. They're the sort of main white blood cell that uh, people have to fight bacterial infections. And this is a drug we use to boost the levels of these neutrophil white blood cells in the bloodstream. First thing to say is that this GCSF is a naturally occurring chemical in the body. We all have GCSF in our body and what it's there for is to control how much your bone marrow makes white blood cells. So I've explained before in some earlier episodes of these podcasts about how blood is made in the bone marrow and you know there's this granddaddy stem cell that produces another family of cells and then those cells produce another group of cells and eventually the various cells spit out red blood cells and platelets and lymphocytes and all the other different types of white blood cells including neutrophils. Now all along the way during this process from the big granddaddy stem cell through to pumping out mature cells into the bloodstream, there's all these different chemicals called the colony stimulating factors that are being made in your body and they're controlling how active the bone marrow should be in making red blood cells, in making platelets, in making white blood cells and all sorts of things. So for instance, there's a chemical called erythropoietin. You know, this is the one that the uh, Olympic athletes take and the cyclists used to take to cheat so that they'd have a higher red blood cell count and then they could win the athletic event. So erythropoietin is a naturally occurring chemical in your bloodstream. It's made by the kidneys, I think, and it tells the bone marrow to make more red blood cells. And then there's a chemical called thrombopoietin, and that's a naturally occurring chemical, and it tells your bone marrow, make more platelets. So there's all these different chemicals that are controlling how active the bone marrow is in making any particular type of cell. And one of the main ones that's involved in telling the bone marrow to make more neutrophils is this chemical called GCSF. So it's a totally naturally occurring chemical in your bloodstream. And so if you have a low white blood cell count for some reason, it's quite likely that your body will respond by making more of this GCSF to send a message to the bone marrow, make more white blood cells, make more white blood cells. So that's the natural, normal thing to do when you've got a low white blood cell count. So if that's the situation, well, why do we have to give it as a drug? Well, the reason is when we give it as a drug, we give it in much higher doses and very high levels of this chemical can be achieved in the body and then that can really send a big message to the bone marrow make more white blood cells the other thing is sometimes we know that the white blood cell count is going to drop in a week or two 
but the body doesn't know that. So if we can start early with this stuff, we can get high levels of GCSF into the bloodstream and get the bone marrow working before it even realises that the white blood cell count was about to drop. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, let me next explain this funny name it's got, this granulocyte colony stimulating factor. So first off, granulocytes are white blood cells. So I've been talking about these neutrophils, these uh, uh, particular white blood cells that fight bacterial infection. Well, another name for neutrophils really is granulocytes. It's because they've got granules when you look at them with a microscope. So think of granulocytes pretty much as the same thing as neutrophils. Okay, now what about this colony stimulating factor? Well, when people were first studying bone marrow and working out how it works, they would put bone marrow cells into these sort of dishes of gel and uh, see if they would grow. And if one cell grew into a little group or cluster of cells, well, that would be called a colony. So you'd have a colony of white blood cells might grow or a colony of red cells might grow. And then they worked out, well, what are the chemicals that'll make colonies grow better? And so when they worked out the chemical that would make these granulocyte colonies grow better, well, they called it granulocyte colony stimulating factor. So that's why it's called GCSF, because it's the chemical that when you threw it into a Petri dish with your little white blood cell stem cells from bone marrow, it would make them grow up into granulocytes or neutrophils. So granulocyte colony stimulating factor, GCSF. And then having discovered that this GCSF existed, then they were able to purify it and make large amounts of it and then were able to test it and show that if you gave it to uh, people, well, it would boost their white blood cell count and then the, the rest is history and it then ended up being used all the time in various situations in oncology and chemotherapy. Now, the problem with GCSF is it's a protein sort of a molecule. And when you swallow proteins, well, they all get digested in your stomach and your intestines, and then they're destroyed. So it's not a chemical that you could just take by mouth as a tablet, and that would boost your white blood cell count. It's a bit like, you know, insulin, right? Diabetics always have to inject insulin, because if you just swallow it, it'll just be cut up into little tiny uh, pieces by your intestinal tract and it won't be absorbed as insulin. Well, it's the same deal with GCSF. So unfortunately, to give this GCSF, you have to give it by an injection. And that's obviously a bit of a problem, having to give an injection under the skin to, to children. They don't like needles, of course, but uh, it is something that we've adopted and use very often. Now, originally, when GCSF was first developed as a drug to give to people, it was what we call a short-acting drug, meaning uh, you had to give it every day. So every day, you'd have to have this injection under the skin, a bit like a, bit like a diabetes injection, a little small volume injection, just injected under the skin, and we'd have to give it every day. And after a cycle of chemotherapy, we would give this drug and we might have to give it for 7 or 10 or 14 days with this injection every day. And that was good at encouraging white blood cell recovery and so the patient would recover their blood counts earlier than usual. But it was a bit of a problem having to give this injection. So then a company developed what we call a long-acting form of the drug. And so this one's called PEG-GCSF. PEG. PEG is polyethylene glycol. 
And basically, whenever you put PEG on a drug, it tends to make it a long-acting drug. So there's asparaginase and there's PEG asparaginase in leukaemia treatment. And PEG asparaginase will last longer in the bloodstream than normal asparaginase. So PEG anything usually means it's a long-acting form of the drug. So PEG GCSF doesn't have to be injected every day, but basically you can inject it once and then it'll stay active for a week or two until the white blood cells recover. And so that's the situation we have now where we have basically two types of GCSF that we can use to boost white blood cell production. There's the short-acting GCSF, the original one that's given by usually a daily injection, and then there's the long-acting one which we give once and it stays active for a longer period of a week or two or three. And both of these drugs still have their place. And I'll explain a few situations next on uh, when we use which one and how we use them. The most common situation where we're using one of these GCSF drugs is after strong chemotherapy. So if you listen to my earlier podcast about chemotherapy and its side effects, you know, one of the main side effects from chemotherapy drugs, particularly as you give stronger doses, is that it leads to a drop in the blood counts. And red blood cells, platelets, white blood cells, all of these things can drop, you know, a week or 10 days after the chemotherapy. And depending on the the doses of the chemotherapy and the drugs you use, this might be really severe or it might just be a mild effect. But in particular, if the white blood cell count goes low after chemotherapy, then there's a risk of infection occurring because patient can't fight off bacteria themselves. And so if a germ gets into their bloodstream, well, they can't fight it and so they can get seriously ill. And so every time someone gets a fever on chemotherapy, well, they have to come to hospital and go on antibiotics and, you know, we've got to respond urgently and deal with the fever. So what we've learnt is that if you give the chemotherapy and then you wait 24 hours and then you start the GCSF treatment, well, yes, the white blood cell count will still drop, but it will recover earlier than it would have. So that period where the white blood cell count is low is shortened. And if you can cut a few days off that period when the white blood cell count is low, well, you're cutting a few days off the period at risk of infection. Like I said, the white blood cell count will still drop, but it will recover earlier than usual. So think of a typical situation if we're treating a patient, say, with a bone tumour or a neuroblastoma, someone who's getting uh, two or three days of strong chemotherapy, for instance, well, we'll give all the drugs. Often they'll be in hospital, maybe not. There'll be all the fluids that go with them, all of that stuff. And then we'll wait 24 hours and then we can give the drug. And originally we would start by giving a daily injection of the original GCSF and we would give the injection each day and train the parents often in how to give this drug at home or else send a nurse to their home or find some way to give the drug. And then we'd do a blood count sometime later, maybe a week later, and then maybe sometime after that. And when we saw that the white blood cell count had gone down and then had recovered, then we would stop giving the injections. And so that was often 7, 10, 14 days of these daily injections, sometimes longer, until the white blood cell count recovered and then we could stop giving them. More recently, so in the last several years, we've taken to using that long-acting form of it, the PEG-GCSF injection. So now we'll give the chemotherapy, 
We'll wait 24 hours and then we'll just give this one injection of this PEG GCSF, the long-acting GCSF, and then we'll still monitor the patient's blood counts and so on as time goes on in the weeks afterwards. But the very clever thing is that once the white blood cell count recovers, well, that actually plays a role in eliminating the drug from the system. So it's a pretty clever drug, right? The drug stays in your system and stays active until you don't need it anymore. As soon as your white blood cells recover, well, they participate in getting rid of the drug, and so the drug isn't there anymore. Anyway, and then we'll go on with another cycle of chemotherapy and repeat the whole process. And so we may end up giving the PEG GCSF after every cycle of chemotherapy, or we might just give it after the stronger cycles of chemotherapy. And by the way, these drugs are hugely expensive. Now, Hopefully, and generally, we have the government or the insurance companies covering the cost of these drugs. But last time I looked at that PEG GCSF was, you know, like $2,000 a dose, something like that. So hugely expensive drugs. But then if you can save an admission to hospital or even just cut a few days off an admission to hospital, well, you save a lot of money there for the healthcare system too. So not to mention if you can decrease the risk of a really serious infection occurring and a patient getting very sick. So that's the sort of main and most common situation where we're using GCSF. It's after we give big, strong chemotherapy drugs and then we give PEG GCSF usually and the white blood cell count drops, but it recovers sooner than it would have. Now, in very young babies, we don't really have as much information about using PEG GCSF. I'm talking about, you know, babies under about the age of one year. And in these really small babies... It's not clear if everyone would use the PEG GCSF. They might prefer to use just the short-acting GCSF. I should mention now that we don't necessarily use these GCSF drugs that much in the treatment of leukaemia. One of the things about leukaemia treatment is that it doesn't tend to have that give chemo, wait three weeks, give chemo, wait three weeks sort of scheduling. Leukemia treatment tends to be a bit more constant. So you're giving something one day and then a few days later you're giving something else and a few days later you're giving something else. So it doesn't always lend itself to putting these uh, periods of GCSF treatment in the middle of leukemia treatment. So in certain high-risk protocols, we are using it. But in standard risk ALL, for instance, we're not routinely giving it. In certain situations we might, and particularly if we're trying to deal with a particular infection or something, but it's not routinely used in standard risk ALL situations. Another situation where we use GCSF is in that situation where we're trying to collect bone marrow stem cells from a patient's bloodstream. I've done a podcast episode on uh, peripheral blood stem cell harvesting for autologous bone marrow transplants and Allo transplants. So there are times when we want to collect bone marrow stem cells from the patient's bloodstream. And it's a bit of an elaborate procedure. It uses a machine a bit like a kidney machine, you know, that takes blood out of your body and spins it and whizzes it and collects the stem cells and, and sends the remaining blood back to your system. So that's what we call a, a peripheral blood stem cell collection. Now, to do that, we need to encourage bone marrow stem cells to move from the bone marrow into the bloodstream, right? They're meant to normally live in the bone marrow. Well, one of the ways we can get bone marrow stem cells to move into the bloodstream is by giving this GCSF drug. Now, don't ask me why it makes bone marrow stem cells move to the bloodstream. I just know that it does. 
And so that's the sort of routine thing to do. If you want to collect bone marrow stem cells from the bloodstream from someone, you give them this GCSF drug. Uh, Now, in some situations, you give them their chemotherapy for their tumour and then you give them the GCSF and, uh, you know, 10 days later, 14 days later, the bone marrow cells mysteriously appear in the bloodstream and then we can collect them. In some other situations, we don't want to give the chemotherapy, we just want to give the GCSF. Well, we might give that short-acting GCSF drug and, for instance, say we might give it on Friday, Saturday and Sunday and then on Monday, look at the blood and see if the stem cells are in the blood. So a sort of short course of GCSF, three or four days to make bone marrow stem cells move into the bloodstream so we can then collect them. And by the way, we can do this on people who are donating bone marrow to give to someone else. For instance, someone who's perfectly healthy but is donating bone marrow for someone else to have a bone marrow transplant, well, this is a technique that we can use. We can give this perfectly healthy, normal person GCSF injections and then a few days later look into the bloodstream and see if the stem cells are there and then collect them. Next situation where we use GCSF is after we've done a bone marrow transplant. So listen to my episodes on bone marrow transplants, but there's bone marrow transplants where you get the bone marrow from someone else, and there's bone marrow transplants where you get a high dose of chemotherapy, and then you get some of your own bone marrow given back to you. And they're used in different situations. But in common with all of those transplants is that there's a period there where you're not making white blood cells and the white blood cells go really low and you've got all that risk of infection, etc. So in some situations in bone marrow transplantation, we'll give the bone marrow stem cells back to the patient and then we might give them GCSF, whether it's the short-acting version or the long-acting version. Now, it's not always done in the allo transplants, but it's pretty routine in the auto transplants. It's a bit of a complicated thing to consider in the allo transplant situation. I'll leave that one to the transplanters. But it's certainly something that's used after auto transplant. So we give the patient their own stem cells back and then give them GCSF to, you know, wind up their bone marrow and make it active to pump out white blood cells earlier than it would have otherwise done. Next situation to mention for the use of GCSF is what I call a sort of rescue GCSF. And this isn't really one that the drug company seems to promote and might be they're not allowed to promote it. You know, drug companies are only allowed to advertise and promote what their drugs are approved for. But I do know that sometimes we use the drug in what I call a rescue situation. So this is the situation where someone's had chemotherapy and let's say they didn't have GCSF with it. Maybe it wasn't such strong chemotherapy or something. But anyway, they've had the chemotherapy and their white blood cell count has dropped. And it's really very low. And imagine maybe they're in hospital with an infection and we're a little bit worried about the infection or it's taking a long time for the white cells to recover. Well, in that situation, sometimes we give GCSF. So now we're starting when the white blood cell count has already dropped. It's better if you start earlier in the piece, right, before the white cell count drops. So you get a sort of week ahead of it. But in this situation, it comes up sometimes where we have to give it at the time the white cell count is already low. And it seems that this will stimulate the bone marrow to recover a bit faster and sort of get the patient out of trouble, if you like, to sort of get some white cell recovery, eliminate the infection, get them off antibiotics and get them home. 
So I wouldn't say that was routine everywhere, but in certain situations we end up doing this rescue GCSF. The final situation I'll mention when we use GCSF is in these really rare conditions that are out there where uh, certain patients just don't make white blood cells normally. So now I'm not talking about patients with cancer or leukemia. I'm talking about people with these, uh, what we call an inborn error. They've got some uh, genetic problem where they just don't make neutrophils. Well, in that situation, we can give GCSF and that can help them to make neutrophils. And it might be they have to be on it for years. You know, there's a condition called Kostman syndrome and they just don't make neutrophils in adequate numbers and you can give GCSF and that can stimulate neutrophil production. So what about the situations where we don't give GCSF? Well, I've mentioned one, and that's in a lot of the leukaemia treatment. It just doesn't fit into the sort of schedule of treatment sometimes to use GCSF. The other situations where we're not using GCSF is in those situations where the chemotherapy really isn't very strong. So, you know, we have chemotherapy that uh, can be very intensive and lead to very low white cell counts. But then in some other disease situations, the drugs just aren't as strong and they don't suppress the bone marrow as much and so there's no need to give GCSF. Because let's face it, it's another drug, it's another injection, it's a whole lot of expense. And so, for instance, in some patients with Wilms tumour, the drugs will cause some reduction in the white cell count, but it's not that severe. Or in histiocytosis, it's not so severe. There's plenty of drug combinations that we use that just don't suppress the bone marrow so much and so there's no need to give this uh, GCSF drug. So in summary, the main situations to give GCSF are after strong chemotherapy. The second one is to make bone marrow stem cells move into the bloodstream so we can collect them. Third one is after a bone marrow transplant. And the fourth one is that rescue situation where the patient's already got low white cell counts and maybe has an infection and it's just to sort of get the white cell count up quickly, hopefully. What about side effects from these drugs? Well, first thing I'd say is that they're really good drugs, in my opinion. They really do what they're meant to do. And, you know, we don't find a whole lot of problems from their use. Yes, you have to have a needle to have them. That's a pain. But we don't tend to see a lot of problems from these drugs. I don't think of them as causing people to feel sick or vomiting. Remember, it's not a chemotherapy drug. It's not doing anything to kill the cancer or something. Uh, but no, it doesn't tend to make people feel sick or vomiting or diarrhea or anything like that. The main side effect we see is some bone pain. People complaining of sore bones, maybe in their back or their arms or their legs or their hips. And this is because the bone marrow gets more and more active. You know, it's typically just before the white blood cell count recovers. So we give the chemotherapy, we give the GCSF, and then maybe a week or two weeks later, patient complains of sort of aches and pains all over. And that's because the bone marrow is more active than usual, pumping out these white blood cells. And I think that puts a bit of pressure on the bones and causes sore bones. Now, it's not normally an extreme problem. It's normally manageable with uh, paracetamol, you know, panadol, acetaminophen, regular sort of analgesics are what I normally need, but I've seen more severe cases that needed stronger drugs, codeine, morphine even, but that's a bit less common. But it's pretty common to see this bone pain, you know. I think the original papers said it occurred in 22% of adult patients, something like that. So we see it pretty often, but it's not normally a huge problem. The main thing is to know that 
the bone pain that you're seeing is from the GCSF, so you don't have to worry about it being from something else. Another side effect of the drug would be if the white blood cell count goes too high. And indeed, we often see the white blood cell count go up way higher than the normal white blood cell count as a result of using these drugs. Most of the time, that's not a particular problem, uh, so long as we recognise that that's what it's from. You know, the haematology lab, if they suddenly see a white blood cell count of 50,000, they're thinking, oh my God, what's going on here? Well, we need to say to them, guys, patients on this GCSF, that's what it's from. And if you stop the GCSF, normally a few days later, it will drop back down again and not be a problem. Now, in patients that have extreme high white blood cell counts, you know, we sometimes worry that that could actually cause a problem. It could be that these cells are a bit sticky, could even block up blood vessels, right? So, you know, we sort of wonder and worry, you know, could it cause blockage of a blood vessel in the brain, for instance, right? Now, that would cause what you call a stroke, right? A disaster. Now, I think that's been reported in the literature. I think it's been seen to happen. In my experience, that would be a very, very, very uncommon thing. And I'm pretty sure it's out there in the literature that this has occurred. On the other hand, the benefits we've got from these drugs in uh, avoiding infections and aiding recovery from infections has been huge. So I think they're the main side effects. I'm sure there's a big list somewhere with all the fine print saying all sorts of other things. But really, bone pain is the one that I think we see more often than anything else. And a high white blood cell count, which, like I said, it's not usually a problem as long as you recognise that's what it's from and then you stop the GCSF or wait for the PEG GCSF to wear off. So that's it for GCSF. Remember, it's granulocyte colony stimulating factor. It's a totally normal chemical that's made in the bloodstream, but when we give it as a drug, we're giving it in much higher quantities, and so it stimulates the bone marrow that much more. There's the short-acting one, GCSF, and then there's the long-acting one, PEG-GCSF, which has been modified from the normal chemical, so it's not completely normal anymore, but it's based on the normal chemical. It's given by injection, mostly just under the skin. I mean, you can give some of these drugs through the central line, but it's a complicated process and hardly ever do we see that being used. No, they're mostly given by injection just under the skin, most commonly after chemotherapy, but there's a few other situations. And bone pain, the main side effect, and sometimes we see an abnormally high white blood cell count as a response to the GCSF. Really good drugs, in my opinion. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Understanding Childhood Cancer with Dr. Jeff. Leave me some questions at the Facebook page if you want to. But in the meantime, hold on to that child, look after yourself, be nice to the nurses, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.